and we are back. Episode 17 of Journey to a Million. More off-season previews here as the off-season. It keeps heating up here on the podcast. Drafts coming up a few weeks away. We have some good stuff planned for that on the Instagram. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. But, yeah, we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars today. We got the Bengals here first. We got on Braden Guthrie, owner of Bengals underscore NFL, the Instagram page, just hit 25,000 followers. So congrats, Braden. And how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Getting ready for the draft. Getting closer day by day. Getting more updates on who's visiting. We're learning more each by day. Yeah, and with that, it gets exciting, right? And Zach and Jared, of course, the Journey to Million squad, we're all here today, the full squad. And with that, let's get started right away here. We'll start with the Cincinnati Bengals season here in the 2021 to 2022 season. Brayden, I'm going to start with you. How would you grade this grade their, this past season? What, what did you think? I would grade it an A, and I think that's the right grade. Coming into the season, people were thinking – bottom team in the AFC North, one of the worst in the AFC overall. Thought Everybody thought there, with how bad the offensive line was, which it was absolutely horrendous last season, which was a fair concern to have. But they were concerned with Joe Burrow coming off the injury and having a very poor offensive line and a defense that really struggled the year before the team would – be horrible and nobody gave them a chance but they came out obviously broke their 31 year playoff drought made it to the Super Bowl were a minute and a half away from pulling it out and having one of the best NFL season most surprising even though they didn't win the Super Bowl I still give it an A the season was still phenomenal for the team and they blew away all expectations yeah I I mean from us look covering this stuff, especially, I mean, we, we didn't have Bengals going to the Super Bowl. I, I guess it was something we didn't really see. And I, I think we all got to agree, right? Zach, Jared, everyone, A. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, easily an A. Uh, yeah. Like you said, not expecting it whatsoever. I knew Joe Burrow obviously would have a great career, but yeah, coming off that injury and their offensive line didn't look good. I, they were not the team I was expecting to go into the playoffs, let alone to the Super Bowl. So that was, Easily an A for me. Zach? Yeah, it's got to be an A. Yeah, I think that's that's just how you got to go with it. But this offseason comes around, and you know you got to make some moves, uh, we, which we, we're going to talk about all here. Uh, I really want to highlight you know, the cornerback situation. We saw Eli Apple, right, a guy who you know might not be a fan favorite by any means for a lot of teams, especially in – uh, he, he came in, he stepped up after Trey Wayne's injury and uh, he gets, he gets a deal back one year, $4 million deal. I mean, they released then Trey Wayne's as well, but uh, overall offensive line. I mean, I just want to bring that up here. I mean, how, how, how are they going to fix this problem? Braden, what are the moves that are going to be made? So, yeah, obviously offensive line was the biggest weakness coming into the off season. I, think that was universally agreed among just not Bengals fans, but every NFL fan base. So they did what was smart and they attacked it in free agency. They didn't wait for the NFL draft. They were aggressive in signing three guys, 
Ted Karras, the center from New England, who's also a versatile offensive lineman. Obviously, the big one, Lale Collins, the ex-Cowboys right tackle, who was released just before free agency, or not before, shortly after free agency started. The Bengals brought him in for a visit. They didn't let him leave and eventually got a contract done. And the Buccaneers guard, Alex Kappa, who even though Tom Brady was coming back from retirement and Brady tried to get him to stay, they tried to Kappa decided to sign with the Bengals literally less than a minute once free agency started. So the Bengals front office definitely very quick working there. Obviously, no contact before legal tampering started. The Bengals front office are just that quick. But yeah, they went out, they saw weakness, many positions of weakness on the offensive line, and they attacked it early in free agency. And Bur- Joe Burrow had a phenomenal season with the, one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And now you give him – I'm not ready to say it's one of the better ones. I'm, they, they've made it to average, but that's still a complete upgrade from last year. And giving that upgrade to Joe Burrow will do wonders for the offense that's already taken over the NFL. Yeah, is there a favorite, you know, for any of you guys, a favorite offensive line move they made, you know, with a signing? I think an obvious one, but Lale Collins. The That's who I was going with, yeah. Right tackle position's been a weakness for the team since 2015, honestly. So having not just a reliable starter, but one of the best right tackles in the NFL – Going from Isaiah Prince to Lil Collins, that just makes you feel really good about the position and the value calls will bring to the offense. Yeah, talk about an upgrade. I mean, saw that team last year give up nine sacks to the Tennessee Titans. I mean, just getting anyone and let alone Lil Collins, that's a huge upgrade for them. So that, that's I'd say that's the best in my opinion. Zach? Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. Tackle is probably the most important part of the line. But, I mean, Alex Kappa and uh, Ted Caress definitely are some major upgrades in the interior line. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe go offensive line in the draft to a second, third round. Probably not first because they have a, little, a couple other holes they need to fill. But I could definitely see, see them going offensive line in second or third yet. Yeah, I think that's the way to approach this. And first round, can we all agree? Or do you guys think I, – I personally think they're going cornerback first round. Braden, you agree with that? Where do you think they're, they're going in the first round here in the draft, that 31st pick? Yeah, as of now, I would say it's cornerback. I would agree. Guys, like, at this point, the pipe dream a few months ago, it wasn't. Sauce Gardner would be amazing, but he's looking to go into top half in the draft and some – even putting him in the top 10. A guy like Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson, that would be a great pick for the team. The corner, Florida corner alum, he would also be a great fit. But I also think the Bengals are going to be open to just best player available. And that's what I really like about this free agency. They put themselves in a position where they don't have to take a position in the first round. 
obviously you want to upgrade from Eli Apple. You want to get another corner in that room because after Eli Apple, it is a pretty significant drop off, but you, you don't have to, you have the ability to be like, okay, there's not a corner we value at pick 31. We can get one in the second round. That'll still be a good fit. And we don't have to reach on a player. So I think the Bengals will go best player available, honestly. But if I had to predict a position, it would be cornerback. Yeah, I see a lot of mock drafts. One of them saying Kair Elam out of Florida. Um, and then another one is saying Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Both cornerbacks, people are projecting them to take. So I would agree with that. They'd probably need a cornerback. They definitely do in – Early. And for over half of last decade, the Bengals every other year, even years, they would take a cornerback in the first round. Drake Kirkpatrick, Darquez Denard, then William Jackson. So they're definitely history-wise due up to take a corner. Yeah, and then the other two, you know, second, third round looking offensive linemen's definitely got to be, you know, the guy or – the person you guys are looking for and have you dug into any of the prospects? I know we actually have a guy from our hometown who's supposed to go in that second, third round rage. Luke Gedeke is a tackle from central Michigan. So, you know, he could possibly be on that board for the Bengals. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of scouting on cornerbacks and interior offensive linemen. Now the two positions, I think the Bengals are most likely to go after early in the draft. As I mentioned earlier, I like guys like Booth, the Clemson corner, and Ellen, the Florida corner. I also like both of the Washington corners. I do like McDuffie. He has been mocked to the Bengals a lot. But, however, I haven't seen any official reports of him going on any visits to Cincinnati or anything, but the Bengals were at his pro day and did talk with him there. So there has been at least a little communication. But, yeah, haven't heard a ton about prospects visiting the Bengals who will go in the first few rounds. As of now, they've been meeting with guys who are most likely going to go day three or possibly slip late in the third round. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that. And looking forward to the draft. Zach, did you have anything you want to add with the draft? Um, no, I do like um, the Clemson corner, Andrew Booth. I do like him going to the Bengals, but I don't. I feel like McDuffie's probably going to go a little bit before but there's always possibility he drops, I guess. So I do like them going corner first round, offensive line second round. I do think Booth potentially in the teens as well. I think that might hurt, you know, the chance of that happening. But you never know, right? It's the beauty of the NFL draft. All these mock drafts and, you know, no one's perfect on them. So uh, just like March Madness, right? So um, with that, right, we want to talk now a little bit about the Bengals schedule here about for next year, a little preview. So how this works, Braden, is I'm going to read you the 17 opponents of the Cincinnati Bengals for the 2022 to 2023 season, and you're going to tell me the first record that comes to your mind, and we're going to write this down. We're going to let you know how you do at the end of the year. So 
little prediction challenge here. We're all going to participate as well. And we've had some great answers so far is all I'll say. So you ready? I'm ready. Bring it. All right, let's go. At Baltimore, hosting Baltimore, hosting Cleveland, hosting Pittsburgh, hosting Buffalo, hosting Miami, hosting Atlanta, hosting Carolina, going to Cleveland, going to New England, going to New Orleans, going to New York to play the Jets, going to Pittsburgh, going to Tampa, hosting Kansas City, going to Dallas, and then going to Tennessee. What do you think? 12 and 5. 12 and 5. There you go. Jared, are you going to go? Uh, I'm going to go 11 and 6. I think that they lose one to the Browns. Zach? I'll go 10 and 7. Ooh. All right. And that gives me the, the last one here. Um, well, see, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go in the middle here. I'll go with the eleven and six as well with Jared. Um, certainly, you know, a team. Right, they went ten and seven last year, if I'm not mistaken. So, I think there might be a win better, but we'll have to wait and see here. So, I have a question for Zach: um, Do you think that the Jets take one of these games? Not, not from the Bengals. Bengals no. History. No. I don't think they're the Jets' defense is good enough for the Bengals yet. I don't think Braden knows, knows the joke. Uh, yeah, yep. we like to mention this. So, Braden, we did this for the Jets. Uh, Zach Roush of Journey to a Million. You want to hear what he said for the New York Jets? I'm intrigued. So, he said the Jets are going 9-8 and eight in 2022 to 2023. That is very optimistic. <laughs> We've had – whenever we tell people that, you know, it gets wild. Jared – Said the Colts are going 13 and four. So, you know, we've had, I just need to make my bold pick. Haven't done it yet. Yep. Maddie Ice taking us all the way. But that's, you know, that kind of wraps it up here. Uh, Brain, you got anything else you want to really talk about here with the Bengals? I mean, other than some, I guess we have some fantasy stuff, but. I mean, yeah, nothing really comes off the top of my head. Yeah, coming off Super Bowl, obviously, it's hard to make it back. They definitely have the talent to do so, but they do have a tough schedule next year. And even though they do have the improvements on the offensive line, it can take a few weeks for a line to kind of gel up. So that will also be something to look for and maybe not expect an instant complete upgrade week one, snap one. That does bring some questions, you know, that we do have. Uh, Zach, I know you had some fantasy questions, maybe? Um, yeah, so I guess what are your fantasy thoughts on guys like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd this coming year? Obviously, Jamar kind of took over the offense and was that lead wide receiver fantasy-wise and in like, the actual games. Um, I, so I guess do you think – T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd will be like starting caliber fantasy players. I think T. Higgins is probably going to be a wide receiver two or three, but I guess what about Tyler Boyd? Yeah, so I would say T. Higgins is most definitely going to be a reliable starter. Obviously, he's not going to put up Jamar Chase, Devontae Adam type points, but he's still a wide receiver two in this offense, and especially with Uzama leaving he's probably going to be looking to get a few more targets on average per game. 
But with Tyler Boyd, you saw a drop off in not talent, but in fantasy numbers. So I believe it was a pretty noticeable drop off. But I would be a little hesitant to start him, maybe have him as a backup because he's still going to have games where he puts up 90 yards and a touchdown because he still is the Bengals slot receiver. And with the upgraded offensive line, the Bengals like throwing screens to him. They like throwing screens to all their receivers. So he'll be reliable in that category. So I would, in my recommendation, have Boyd as a backup receiver. Probably not who you want in your starting lineup, ideally. Do you think uh, Hayden Hurst will have similar numbers to Uzama last year? Obviously, Uzama came on at the end of the year and was a pretty solid starting tight end. But obviously, he's gone now. Hayden Hurst comes in. Yeah, I think they'll have pretty similar numbers, obviously. Uzama left for the Jets on a three-year, $24 million, I believe what the numbers were. So, yeah, Hayden Hurst coming in on a one-year deal. I think they're he's going to have similar numbers. I think he's about the same level, talent level as Uzama, and I think the Bengals brought him in to have – basically the same role as C.J. Uzama. So, yeah, I think we'll see pretty similar numbers there. I think that's all, right. all the fans' questions. Yeah, so with that, I mean, we have another part here in this episode. We're going to talk some Jacksonville Jaguars football. So with that, let's go talk some Jags right now. Episode 17 resumes here on the podcast with our second team we're covering here, the Jacksonville Jaguars. We have no guests for this second half, sadly. Uh, they sadly could not make it. No so show. It was another no show. Yes, Zach is right. We're covering Jags here, and I guess Zach's kind of going to be the expert here. I'll start with him. It's still myself, Drew Skyberg, Jared Valeski, and then Zach Roush. And Zach, I'll start with you. Well, how would you grade this Jaguars season? Um, I'll give it a D. Well, actually, I'll, I'll give it a D plus. They didn't have very high expectations. Trevor Lawrence disappointed for a lot of people. Obviously, the whole Urban Meyer fiasco with his bar and then obviously his comments that have came out since his firing. But their offseason moves have, uh, well, I'd say increased their win total this year, but not a big fan of them. Just adds a little bit of talent to that roster. I'll give him a D, but yeah, um, terrible uh, what we saw. But hey, yeah, like you mentioned, there were some good roster moves. Jared, do you want to throw in your? Yeah, D minus. They ruined my team. So, yeah, Yeah, Jared. Well, we'll have to include a couple of those here. We'll we'll have to. But yeah, I mean, what what a year. I mean. Look, look at the off seasons. I guess what an off season, right? I mean, I guess that's the way to word this. Um, bring in Doug Peterson, right? I, I think that's the big story for me. Like you get, a, you get a proven head coach in the NFL. He were proven, right? And that that's going to be big, I think, for especially Trevor Lawrence, right? I, I think that's something that I'm a fan of. Also, you know, 
some of the other moves that were more questionable, like Christian Kirk, you know, a four-year $72 million deal, certainly a lot of money throwing a guy like Christian Kirk. I guess, you know, starting with you, Jared, here, was there a move that you that stood out to you for the Jags? I mean, uh, not really. I mean, I, I guess I'd say the Christian Kirk signing. I mean, it's a lot, like you said, but it's the Jaguars, and they – they're trying to, I mean, they're in a rebuild basically with the young quarterback and trying to get whoever they can. So, I mean, just getting a weapon, maybe that'll help them, but I don't, I don't see this team doing anything special in the next few years. I like the Foy Aluankan. I don't know if I said that name right at all, but I do like that signing. Cause uh, it gives them a little edge rusher. It helps them on the defense, which was obviously not the best last year. And I do like the Doug Peterson player. Um, uh, like Drew said, it's a proven coach. He's had success before. And it's just it's gives him stability. Uh, obviously, something they didn't have last year with Urban Meyer or the year before that. So stability in a head coaching position is definitely one of the biggest things that you need in a good team. I liked all the head coach hirings in Florida. Todd Bowles, I mean, I was really more of a promotion. Uh, Mike McDaniel was the one I, I liked as well for the Dolphins. Now Doug Peterson, I thought all three were, you know, Great moves, you know, by the by their teams, and yeah, I, I think that's really going to help this team. I think to start, uh, we saw some other moves, you know, with the squad as well. I guess with the Christian Kirk thing, I want to go back to it. That's got to be an overpay, right? I know the market for receivers was high. I know there was a lot of you know, you know, the demand for a, a good receiver was high in this market, and the price reflects that four-year, seventy-two million dollar deal. Uh, I guess I'll go to you, Zach. Right? This, this has to be an overpay. Here's the thing, though. The way the contract – I read this – I guess I shouldn't say I don't know if it's true, but I read a very reliable source that said the way the contract is written, this cap hit this year is like one or two million. It's very low cap hit this year. So that gave, gave them more flexibility good and sign other guys like Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, like those types of guys. But then it also gives them an easy out after – I believe it was the second or third year so that they don't have to pay all that $72 million. And if you look at that um, kind of shortened contract before they can get out of it, it's a much more team-friendly contract. But then and, why wouldn't you just sign them for two years and less money? Well, it, it's an incentive for Kirk, Christian Kirk, to sign this, you know, with more yeah. the, the potential for more stability. I actually have it up right now, too, Zach. Thank you for bringing that up. This cap hit, yeah, it's a $7.5 you know, million dollar cap hit, which ends up being roughly 3.2% of the cap. So that ends up, you know, saving this franchise actually a good chunk of money. But the second year is where he gets his money. It's a guaranteed salary of fifteen and a half million, and his cap hits on a whopping nine point six. So I still think, you know, I, I, I get the, you know, the logistics behind, you know, the first year ends up being a good, you know, good signing for this team. But later, I, I know after the second year, but they, they're for sure that second year they're stuck paying him, you know, that fifteen and a half million. So what'd you say his cap? It was second year. Twenty one and a half million. So a 9.6%. Yeah, that's, that's nearly yeah, that's 10% for a receiver. <laughs> Come on. But yeah. uh, that's where, you know, maybe it turns out well. And then the next year is also 8.4%. But like you said, potentially the, for the Jags to get out of this contract, but still an interesting, an interesting situation with that contract for sure. I, I know that opened a lot of people's eyes. Go they, ahead. I don't think there was a, a move that they could have made over the offseason that would have jolted them like ahead of any other teams, like for people to think like they have a chance in the AFC South. 
obviously Colts and Titans. Yeah, maybe they'll take one from the Colts. Who knows? But take that's two. about it. They're not okay. Um, so like they went and made a trade over the offseason or signed anyone that would have like made people think that they were gonna have some sort of a Bengals season or anything better than what they had before last year, like last year. I, I still... think Trevor Lawrence needs to take a big step forward before they are worried about competing for the division or competing for a deep playoff run at all. Just yeah, he didn't live up to his draft type at all last year. And I still think he has that upside too. You know, I, I think he's a guy for me, sophomore, you know, a guy with a big sophomore season, maybe, maybe a Justin Herbert type, you know, like rookie, I guess, would that be a stretch here? I don't. You're saying like Justin Herbert's rookie year type? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I think, and I, I think, I mean, obviously not what we got last year, but you know, like I, I think that first year Herbert, I think we can see something, something like that at, you know, at, at the least. Right. I think that'd be something to look for. I, I know that now that he's got some weapons, right. I know the whole thing was who's he throwing to. Right. And now you bring in some guys, Evan Ingram being one of them. We brought up, we brought up Kirk, you got Brandon Scherf as well. You know, the, yeah. the lineman that they signed as well for that big contract, three or 49 and a half million, but. Yeah, they did make two things that I'm not a big fan of is they released Miles Jack, who went to Pittsburgh. He's their lean tacker, tackler on defense. Um, kind of gave him a big linebacker presence that I see if the game plan around. And then they also let DJ Charco, who signed with the um, the Lions. Yep. I think Chark was around 25 years old, something like that. So he's still really young. Obviously, he's had a couple injuries, but I think he's still a promising young player that maybe they should have re-signed instead of a uh, Christian Kirk. But They still have players like Josh Allen on defense, who we might see get another sack on Josh Allen this year. Do you think that's – is that a possibility until they play the Bills this year? I don't know. We'll talk about it in the scheduling there, but yeah. – uh, giraffe stuff, you know, we have to talk, but they have the first overall pick and, you know, you'll see who Zach thinks they're officially going to draft when he does his, he does his draft mock draft stuff that we, it will come eventually. I made some nice templates as we mentioned in the first half of the episode and looking forward to seeing how it turns out, but consensus first overall pick right now is Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. I, is that, you know, I don't think you can argue that right now. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. There's been, I guess, Hutchinson's been more recently, but obviously if you go back a couple weeks, there's a lot of Evan Neal. And then the uh, tackle out of NC State has been... Wonu. Yeah, he's been climbing up some draft boards. He's been going top two or three, too. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I do think they go with Hutchinson. I don't think there's a chance that they don't go with Hutchinson. He's Hutchinson or Neal for me, like Zach mentioned. But I, I'm like right yeah. now, you know... 80% Hutchinson, 20% maybe Neil, maybe even more, you know, for Hutchinson. I think it's really yeah. unlikely I mean, right now. Their left tackle right now, Cam Robinson, I believe is his last name. He's on playing on the franchise tags. So next offseason, if they do let him leave, that's going to be a position they have to fill. And obviously left tackle is a big position to fill on the offense. Yeah, and then they have yeah. that 33rd overall pick. So, you know, first pick in the second round. Uh, there, there could be some of those end of those first round guys who we could totally see fall here. I don't know if there's anyone that you guys have, you know, your eyes on that you're looking at, uh, that you see maybe the Jaguars snag with that 33rd overall pick. Is there any any need you guys want to address with that? 
kind of hard to know because I don't really know what they're going to draft for because they have so many holes in their team that they just need everyone. So, I mean, uh, maybe a defensive linebacker like Logan Hall. I was going to say yeah. Houston, but I, I don't I don't really know what they're going to go for. I could see them going tackle if they do go Hutchinson first overall and going tackle with maybe I think it's Trevor Pennington or um, those Tanner Reinhardt out of Central Michigan. So those are some names that are going to be around the end of the first round, early second round. Yeah, I, I think those are all you know potential options. Devin Lloyd, you know, got like linebacker out of Utah. I don't know. I don't think he'll follow the thirty third overall, but. You know, if he does, that might be a guy if they want to snag a linebacker. You know, we mentioned Miles Jack leaving. I think Devin Lloyd, you know, he was he had an impressive senior season there. And I think, you know, that's a, I mean, junior season, my bad. But I think, you know, that might be a potential suitor with that squad. But we'll have to wait and see there with the draft. I guess we got to talk about some fantasy moves as well here, right? All three of us love our fantasy football. Uh, I guess the first one, right? Dynasty holders for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I kind of said what I, what I think, you know, would be a successful season. What do you guys think? Uh, I don't know. I just, he hasn't proven anything really yet. Like if you, like you said, if he has like a Justin Herbert rookie season, maybe he's looked at as a potential like starting quarterback in a dynasty league, but I would keep him, I mean, on the bench for a few years, probably. I mean, at least this year, unless he's obviously outplaying what like his expectations, but I mean, nothing really major with him. I don't think. I think he's still a well, depending on how deep your league is, 10 team, maybe not a 12 team. I would say he's a quarterback too if you have a super flex, but he's a solid backup. Obviously, you definitely had to give up a first round pick to draft him, um, whether you did the original dynasty draft or it was a rookie draft. He was going first round. And I think he's definitely going to take a step forward this year with Doug Peterson. And those added weapons, obviously, Kirk, Zay Jones, like we talked about. Um, but I think the biggest fantasy impact this season will probably be Travis Etienne and James Robinson's coming back from a torn Achilles, I think he had. And obviously, Etienne didn't play last year with his uh, foot injury. But I can see Etienne taking over the backfield and Robinson kind of um, going to a maybe Boston Scott type role. Obviously, if you go back to Peterson's days in Philly, they had a second kind of like RB2. So do I don't think, like that do for think, a, Yeah, go ahead. You think Robinson will be like the, the touchdown guy, like the kind of the th- third down up the middle back? Well, yeah, I could see that. I mean, I still think it's going to be kind of like the Packers with Aaron Jones and um, A.J. Dillon, where James Robinson will get probably 10 to 15 carries a game. ETN will get probably around the same with some receptions. Okay. Um, I, I don't I don't like that from a fantasy perspective. Obviously, you know, it makes sense in the realm of football, but yeah. just you know that the, the concern, you know, not getting touches, you know, is always a draft concern that I at least look at. I want to go back to Lawrence one more time here. Uh just you know, thinking for next year as a whole, um, not not looking dynasty, just a one year thing. Would you rather start Mac Jones next year or Trevor Lawrence? Sure. I would go Mac Jones just because he's more um, developed and like proven, but they're both young. And if, as, if Trevor Lawrence pr- proves something in the first few games, then maybe you make that switch. But I'd say Mac Jones from now for now. Zach. 
I think it depends what you're going for. I think Mac Jones be more consistent, but Trevor Lawrence has a lot more upside. So I'd probably go with Trevor Lawrence just because of that upside. He can have probably 25, 30 point games because of his rushing ability. And I think he will take that step forward. Whereas Mac Jones is more of a packet, a pocket passer and his upsides probably around 20 to 25 points. I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of those big games. Yeah, that, that is true, actually, because Mac Jones does hand the ball off a lot, so he might not be getting putting up the fantasy yeah. numbers. So, yeah, that's and a good point. Stevenson and um, – who's their main back? I'm forgetting his name now. Obviously, the Patriots Tim have Harris? a good backfield. Yeah, yeah Harris. Harris Stevenson and Harris, so yeah, they're going to be I, running a lot. I'd go, you know, Lawrence here with the upside. It all comes back to, you know, and also Peterson being head coach. Again, I think that for me, you know, seals it. I'm not worried if I'm a Trevor Lawrence uh, dynasty holder. I know last year might cause somewhere, but I, I'm not worried. You know, if you are, I actually am not. But I think I think it'll be okay. I think it will be okay. But with that, you know, you guys want to talk about the Bengals, or not the Bengals here, the Jaguars, their 2022 to 2023 schedule. You guys ready? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Who's doing record first? Is it Jared's? Yeah, I can do it. Okay. All right. Here we go. At Washington, at Houston, at Indianapolis, hosting Houston, hosting Indianapolis, hosting Tennessee, hosting Denver, hosting Vegas, hosting Dallas, hosting the New York Giants, going to Kansas City, going to LA to play the Chargers, going to Philly, going to Tennessee, going to Detroit, hosting Baltimore, and then going to New York to play the Jets. Yeah. Before you uh, ask, this will be one of the Jets wins. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. I'm going to say three and 14. Drew. It's me. Look, yeah. I got to. Ooh, I'm going to go. I got to go a little bold here. I'll say six and 11. Jesus. This was worse than my Jets take. Jets take. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'll go four and 13. They have the Is weapons, that, but they don't have a top weapon. Christian Kirk is no wide receiver one. Is that with the Colts win or loss? That would be. Uh, that's with being the Colts once. Okay, they got to so the home game, you know. So they're going to lose to the Giants or the Lions or Houston? They can win they're six games the in the schedule. Come on. Yeah. They can they're win six. to the Lions, the Jets. Yeah. Okay. No. Cap. I, I think they can pull out six wins in the schedule. There's no way. Unless they beat a team like Tennessee like they did last year. They could year. beat Houston twice. On a fluke game like they beat Tennessee last Davis year. Maybe, Mills maybe then. Season but... incoming. No. Davis Mills they could beat the Jets. Year. They could beat the Lions. There's four wins right there. Uh, and then they just got to steal. They could beat the Giants. They, then they just got to steal some games. I was saying either four wins or three wins. It was depending on that Jets game at the end. I was going to say five and 12, but I wanted to go. I, I want to go six and 11. I'm going to keep my six and 11. You got to be bold. Three and, I'm keeping three and 14. So, Drew, do you think they're beating the Jets? I do. No, we're not doing it. All right. There's with no that, way. With that here, we got to talk no about shot. some scheduling here. Before we go, uh, episode 57 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, will be on Monday, of course. I have some nice fantasy baseball uh, draft discourse that I'm going to air next week as well. I think it was some good stuff. We had a good 30-minute conversation in it. You know, it was myself, Jared, and a few of the few of the listeners. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, with that, you know, we also have next week. Be on the lookout. NBA series 
coming your way potentially jared and i might be you know talking some nba and then of course be back here friday you guys know the drill journey to a million episode 18 join our sleeper squad right i mean we got to get more people in that for some more nfl you know before you know it it'll be nfl time and it'll be nfl dfs are you guys got anything else there oh join the squad yeah right zach sure yeah you like gambling yeah, so with that here, thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.